Lord, would you pour your spirit out on your church today and every day? And the church said, amen. amen. Wow, I am so uplifted this morning. It was 18 degrees this morning. And I just look, just look around this room for a minute. I am so encouraged to just looking around and, and visiting with some of you as we were getting going this morning and to hear our voices lifted up. It is just amazing. Um, what a different feeling in here than it is outside. And I'm grateful. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. I want to echo what Keith said just a few minutes ago. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back. I think you can go YouTube or wherever you go to the website somewhere and look at last week's service because our students helped lead. They led, they didn't help, they led service. They led worship. They, they led the songs. They, they led the message, the communion, all of it. And I needed to hear that. It was incredible for me. So thank you to our students. Yeah, let's give them a hand. <laughs> If I'd have thought about it, I would have asked Ella if she would come up here and do it again this week. Um, but I guess you're stuck with me this morning. So um, I want to jump into a passage in 1 Timothy in just a second. It'll be up on the screen. And this, this verse, and it could have been written last week, I think. When I read, in fact, let's just read it. It's up there. It says this, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul is writing to Timothy here, and when he says flee from all this, if, if we were to back up in, in chapter 6 and throughout the, the letter, he, he's talking about things that we desire as humans. Just There's just things that we crave, there's things that we want, and he's saying there are a lot of people who give in to these desires and it's their ruin. And he said, you've got to flee from all these things. And I thought, man, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, and you could have written those words last week, and we wouldn't know the difference. It's amazing. And I was just thinking about how I, you know, for me personally, and I hope I'm the only person in the room that feels this way, but what I've learned about myself is that whatever I get, I want more of it. Anybody else that way? You don't have to raise your hands. But whatever I get, I end up wanting more of it. You know, the, we've, we've had a... The NFL playoffs have been going on, Super Bowl's coming up, but we, we have all these playoff games over the weekend, and when they end, you know what I'm saying to myself? I wish there was one more game to watch, right? I, I caught myself Monday night, I was going, what do I do? There's no Monday night football. I, I don't even watch Monday night football a lot of weeks because I don't care about the teams they're playing, but I'm, where's Monday night football? What do I do? Uh, you know, I can eat my favorite food for lunch. I can have a great meal for lunch and an hour or two later, you know what I'm saying? What's for dinner? What's, what's for dinner? It's just whatever I get, I, won't, I don't know if anybody else feels this way. I talk to a few people who do, and it's, it's funny. It's funny how that works. Uh, you know, maybe you're in middle school. You know, you, my, my son, I think about, I try to put myself in his shoes. He's in the fourth grade. And if, if he's probably thinking, oh, man, when I get to middle school, what, what's that going to be like? Then you get to middle school and you go, oh, man, what's high school going to be like? You get to high school. What's college going to, you know, we always want more. That next thing, right? We're ready to jump to the next thing. It's just kind of how we are. You get that brand new car. Man, it's got that new car smell. It's clean. And how quickly does it become that car that you've been meaning to vacuum out? That car you've been meaning to take through the car wash? That car that doesn't have the new features that the new models have? You know, it all of a sudden is this, like, kind of just car that you think, man, I, I want a new one. No, you've got a new one. <laughs> And so we always want more. We want that next thing. And here's what's interesting, is that God knows that about us. 
God knows that about us. That's why Paul's telling Timothy, hey, if you want more, if you want more, here's what you should want more of. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. He's saying, here's what, you need to flee those other things. It's never going to be enough. There there can never be enough football games. There can never be enough food for me to eat to fill my stomach. There can never be enough new cars. The one thing that will make me stop wanting more is this right here. And God knew that. So so we're going to look at a passage in just a minute in Deuteronomy. Get excited because we're going to Deuteronomy this morning. But don't worry, a lot of you will be more familiar with this passage than you would think. But, but think about this for just a minute. I used to look at the story of the Israelites, right? We know the story of the Israelites, most of us do. And I used to look at that story and think, man, they blew it so bad. I mean, here these people are in captivity in Egypt, right? I mean, they are a slave, slave to the Egyptians. And God shows up and he says, I'm going to take you out of here. And they say, well, you, there's this Pharaoh guy that won't let us go. He says, that's okay, I'll deal with Pharaoh. And they witness these miracles, these plagues that happen, and God brings them out of Egypt. So he gets them out. Pharaoh finally says, get out of here. And so they, they leave, and they get to the edge of this sea, and they turn around, and the Egyptian army's coming after them. And they go, my goodness, what do we do now? And God says, it's okay. How about this? He parts the sea, and he says, you just walk across on dry land and trust me. And so they do. And they get across, and they turn around, and that Egyptian army is swallowed up by the sea. And they get out in the desert, and what do they say next? They said, Lord, we're hungry. What are we going to eat? He says, that's all right. I got that covered. You're going to wake up in the morning, and there's going to be this sweet bread on the ground for you to eat. I wish I could taste what that must have tasted like. But um, I used to look back and think, man, how did they not? Why did they turn away? Why did they build a golden calf? Why did they serve the nations of other gods? Why did they forget so quickly that God was there when he showed up and did these miracles? And I used to think, how could they do that? And now... As I get older, I look at my life and I just kind of laugh a little bit because I do the exact same thing in my life. I can have an encounter with God where I'm so close and he's so real and I see him literally move and work in my life and less than a week later I can be wandering around trying to fill my life with football and food and things that aren't inherently bad, right? Those things are okay, but I'm trying to fill the cravings with things of this earth instead of things of God just like the Israelites. So listen to what Joshua says to them in Deuteronomy. This is, they've come out of Egypt, they've crossed the sea, they've eaten the manna off the ground, and they're about to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land, and he says this to them. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You may recognize this. Jesus was asked by some of the teachers of the law, hey, what's the most important command? And this is exactly what he said to them but listen to what comes after this these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I've got to read that again because I need to hear things twice. He says this in verse 6, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home 
and when you drive along the road, I changed that word there because we drive, right? We used to, he's talking to people that walk, but when you're driving around, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I've got to have a, a, a physical reminder. I'm a visual person. I need a, a, a verse on my mirror in my bathroom or somewhere in the kitchen. I need something to remind me or I will quickly forget. But God wants us to write these commandments on our hearts. Impress them on your children. <laughs> I love this. I, you know, we, we read a verse a, a minute ago that talked about making a confession in front of witnesses. And I've seen that happen twice right here recently. I've seen children of this congregation confess their belief in Christ and, and be baptized in these waters right here. And what a powerful thing that is to, to be a part of and to witness. Uh, wh- wh- how important is it for us to impress these on our children. I actually was, was thinking this week, and I was so moved by our students last week, but I thought, this church, we ought to be hyper-focused as a church on impressing these laws on our high school students, on our middle school students, on our elementary age students that are worshiping be- below us right now, on our preschool students and our toddlers and our baby. We ought to be hyper-focused as a church at impressing these laws on our children. If we don't do anything else, church, let's do that together. If you're not doing that now, figure out a way. Ask somebody, how can I help our children? How can I help our students? How can I help our young kids? How can I get involved in making sure we impress these laws on our children? I, uh, I was, uh, I've, I've got a buddy who w- was a youth minister. Now he's a preacher in Texas. I'm not talking about Dean. But I thought, wait, man, I've got, I've got two good friends who are preachers in Texas. I don't know what that says about me. Maybe somebody else knows what that means, what that's all about. I don't know. But, but I've got a buddy in Texas, and, and I, was, I got stranded in Texas a few years ago, and that's going to be another story for another lesson. But a, a truck broke down that I was in in Texas, and so I, I looked at where I was on the map, and I called my friend Casey, and he's a youth minister at the time in Texas. I said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm just kind of going through my day. I said, well, hey, I'm broken down about an hour away from you. Can you come get me? And so he came and got me, and I spent the next four days with he and his family as I was waiting to get repaired and get back on the road. And so I would go to work with him, and we would do different things. And, um, and again, he's a guy that I've known for a long, long time, so we just have this sort of seamless relationship. And so in the morning, we get up. He'd say, hey, Will, i got to drop the girls off at school, and then i got to go do this and that. Do you want to go with me? i said, say, yeah, I'm not going to just sit around. So I jump in the car with Casey. We get out. We drive through the neighborhood and get out on the highway to take his daughters to drop them off at school and he says hey girls who's going to pray this morning and one of his daughters just starts praying in the back seat praying for their family praying for the school they're about to get dropped off praying for me <laughs> I'm just going man this is the coolest he, he is killing two birds with one stone here he's impressing these laws on his children and he's talking about it while he's driving I'm going man I need to learn from this guy and, uh, and so I think it was the next morning, we're taking the girl, girl, girls to school. He says, all right, Will, you get to pray today. So, okay, I guess I'm praying today. So we pray as we're driving down the road and we talk about these laws. I thought, what a way to live this out. What if we could find ways to live this out? And it reminds me that of all the things I want, of all the things I want more of, the thing that I really need to want the most is my relationship with God. More of his word in my life, more conversations with him each day, more of the the nudge of his spirit to serve and to share and to give. That's what we want more of. That is what will ultimately fill us. 
and leave us not wanting more of the cravings that we have in this world. I want to share a few other scriptures with you this morning. The next one is Colossians chapter 3, and it's funny, I didn't realize this as I was preparing, and all of a sudden, over the weekend, I was going, man, God's got something he wants to drive home here that I didn't didn't even see. So listen to this word here. Since then, this is Colossians 3, 1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. We saw that in Deuteronomy, didn't we? Impress the, write these words on your hearts. And now in Colossians, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. What is he talking about here? I'm so quick sometimes to read these verses and it sounds great. Set your hearts on Christ, set your hearts on things above, set your minds on things above. But what does that mean? What does it look like for us to do that? I think we've got to ask the question, what would it look like for my life if I were fully focused on Christ? What if I said, I want to completely live for Jesus? Jesus says, seek my kingdom first and all these things will be given unto you. But what would it look like for me to fully focus on him, to fully live for him? I think we got to be careful. I wrote down the words, don't get distracted. I think that's a message for not just us as a church, but I think for churches in general. We live in a time, we live in a culture where everything goes, right? I mean, we live in a country, in a world, I would say, where just everything goes. It's okay. You can do that. We shouldn't judge. We shouldn't disagree. We should get along. We shouldn't have a problem with that. And, and it, I, I fear that Christianity is being pulled in that direction. We're, we got to go along with this, right? It's okay. Let's just be nice. Let's not offend people, right? It, 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 let's be laid back. And, and I want to I preface this here. This is not a call to strict legalism. That's not what this is. This is not a call to strict legalism. But I think we've got to stop and say, what would it look like for me to live my life fully for Christ? What things in my life do I need to change? What things do I not need to have in my life? What should I not participate in that the world is okay with? It doesn't mean that I can't be in the world, but it means that I shouldn't be of the world, right? We know this language. We can't get distracted. Set your hearts, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Look at this verse with me in in 1 John. I'll just read it up there. 1 John 15. 2.15 says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. Man, that's hard. That's hard. We're not talking about necessarily bad things, although certainly sinful and evil things are a part of that. But we can't get caught up in just the ways of the world and trying to fit me in more, more stuff. I just want to feel good. I want something to make me happy. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now, I love verse 17. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. What kind of people do we want to be, church? What kind of people do we want to be? Whoever does the will of God lives forever. One more verse. Let's do one more verse, and then I've got, a, I've got a blue prayer card I've got to talk about here. In fact, I saw Albert somewhere. There's Albert. Albert, 
I got to give this to you after church, okay? I'll explain in just a minute. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Whatever we take in, whatever we fill ourselves with, whatever we want more of, that's what's going to come out. You ever have a conversation with somebody and you can just, you can just tell what they've been taking in? You can, just, you can just tell what's important to them. You can tell what their life is focused on. You can tell maybe they're a, a devoted follower of Christ or maybe that's the last thing on their mind. Not in a judgmental way, but just you can just get a sense for what's important to people by being around them. We, we give off a lot more than, than we know. My children remind me of that. They'll, they notice things. <laughs> I hope they're watching at the right time and not at the wrong time, right? But, uh, but we give off a lot. Whatever's in your heart, it's going to come out. You can't keep it in. So let's put the right things in. I was sitting over here last Sunday where I always sit. Last Sunday morning, and it, like right around when church was starting, and I grabbed this card, and I wrote on the back of it. And I thought, when I, when I did it, I thought, man, I, I, just, I just took a prayer card and used it for my own notes. And, uh, and then I, as I got to looking at it this week, I thought, no, that's a prayer I wrote <laughs> without even realizing it. Because I, I wrote the words, I hope, but now I go, no, this is a prayer. So I want to read this to you, what I wrote last week. I wrote these words, I hope this is always a place, and when I say that, I mean Fourth Avenue, hope this is always a church, I hope this is always a place where we have to get out of the way because God is at work. Not that we do nothing, we pray, we serve, we sacrifice and work, but it should always be about us bringing fish and loaves and offering it to him so he can feed people. It's about his power and his plan, not ours. Man, that's my prayer for this church. I hope it's always a place where we just get out of the way, where we go, wow, God, what are you up to? What, what, what's ironic about this, and I shouldn't say ironic, what's, what's interesting about this is I wrote this note down last week, and it wasn't too long after that, that in a, in a, in a Sunday where our students were leading worship, we had a couple stand up and share this incredible testimony with us. The Brinkers stood up and shared this amazing testimony about the way God was working in their lives through the prayers of this church to perform miracle after miracle. And I just sat there and thought, man, God, the very prayer I prayed is being answered as I'm praying it. And so I bumped into them after church and just thanked them for that incredible testimony. What an edifying word they shared with us. And so that's my prayer for this church is it, it will always be a place where we get out of the way because God's at work. We just got to move over. You know, we, we, you know, Jesus says, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? They go, I don't know. We just got a couple of loaves and a couple of fish here. We don't know what to do. And he says, just give it to me and I'll do the rest. That's the kind of place this needs to be. We just bring what we have and we give it to him and let him do the rest. I, so, so in the middle of all this, and there's so many, I, I wanted us to take this, this perspective this morning of looking not, we could have looked at the words of Jesus where he says, here's how you need to live. This, the, 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 that's what we want to get to, but wanted to look at from a few different angles, going all the way back to the Old Testament, the Israelites saying, hey, write these words on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them, put them on your door frames, go home, my challenge for you, go home and, and put it up, pick out a verse, put it up somewhere, remind yourself of it, remind your family of it, talk about it with each other. Um, I want more of that, and I want to be less full of things of this world.
I, uh, I tell you what, Mark, if you want to bring your team on up, I've got one more quick short story I want to share, and then we're going to sing um, a song together. But I, uh, and I know I've, I've told this story to a few of you. Uh, you get to hear it again if you've heard this before. But my, my role model, my mentor, my, my, my spiritual mentor, the person who had the, the single greatest impact on me and on my life was my mother. My mom, Nan Nix Baxter. She uh, had a huge impact on me. And I noticed a pattern in her life uh, when I was in high school. And I'm sure it probably went back far before then, but that's just when I kind of picked up on it, is that I would get up in the morning, I'd be getting ready for, I'd get, get up and get ready for school in my room, and I'd come out of my room down the short hallway in our condo, and, and my mom would be to my left as I came through that hallway on the couch with her Bible in her lap, sitting there reading. And she would see me come out, and she would get up, and she would have breakfast ready. She would put it on the table for, for myself and my sister. My older brother had already gone off to college at this point. But she would put, put food on the table for us, and then she would walk back over to that couch, and she would sit back down, and she would pick her Bible back up. And I don't know if she was reading or praying or whatever she was doing. She was having time with God because she wanted more. And that equipped her to handle things in her life with a grace and a strength that I've rarely seen, that I hope I can have in my life. And it's because she wanted more. Let's want more, church. Let's fill our lives with him.